And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by our good friends at the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. I would like to thank everyone for joining us throughout the month of October at the Holy Grail for our watch parties as the Bearcats played three of their first four conference games on the road. Not going to be there much in November for that specific purpose, but that doesn't mean you can't stop down to the Holy Grail on your own and get yourself some grub, delicious pizza, have a few beverages while you're at it. All right, let's get this show on the road, David. Mr. Simon. Yes. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Been a busy week, but uh, you know, always always good to uh to be back in the thick of things on a week where there's a home game and on a week where we get uh you know, between now and the next time that we do this, we're going to be in the thick of it next week. Yes. We got football on Saturday, basketball on Monday, basketball on Thursday, football on Friday, basketball on Sunday. Jeez. Uh five five games in 8 days. It's that time so of year. It's that time of year. We're about to be right in the thick of it. So, we will have <clears throat> all kinds of things to discuss as we continue to move forward on this podcast. Um I don't really want to talk about what happened on Saturday anymore, do you? No, I think uh, I think Jeff and I covered it pretty well Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And Most uh, of which I agreed with. Stephen, you don't have to apologize for telling us that there was breaking news with the Big 12 media contract. That was uh, more, more than okay to relay. As you know, neither of us are able to check Twitter. Uh too much while we're while we're in the middle of that so i i appreciate it so that we could talk about it because we wanted to make sure it uh, got covered it's big big news i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it tonight but no have you spoken to dan uh i have spoken to dan how's he doing he's he's been very busy lately so i'm just curious about his well-being he's had a good week he's had a good week good that's good does does Dan follow basketball? Does he know much about basketball? Mm, he used to. He's kind of fallen off a little bit of of late. But I think he's he he mentioned to me that he was you know he was eager to to get back into things. All right. Well, looking forward to hearing from him as things go on. Um, I mean, do you have any closing thoughts on UCF? No, none. None. And they didn't. Not, not a single remaining thought. Okay. Good. No. Not really. <laughs> I think we've we've talked about it about all you can possibly talk about it. So, uh, all right. Pretty, Good pretty, show. Pretty strong in in my opinions. Uh, Sunday morning. I don't think I need to rehash any of those. And nothing new has come uh, come through my pea sized brain. So I'm ready to to. Move on. All right. Um, move and, and the process of moving on. I had to drive around a lot today. Kelly had an appointment. I had to go record some stuff at iHeart. I had to pick Kelly up from her appointment, drive her home, 
drive back to uh, the banks to do uh, some radio with Mo, drive back here. Been in the car a lot today, Dave. A lot of driving. This was the question I thought was the most prevalent to start this show. Okay. Are we at a point where this team just is who it is? Like we talk every week. What needs fixed? What what do they got to get better at? What do they what do they got to do here? What do they got to do there? After eight, eight games, nine weeks, is this the Bearcats? This is who they are. And instead of worrying about we got to fix this or this has to get better or you got to do this. Is it time to just say, okay, this is who we are. Figure out how to win. Figure out how to deal with who we are and go win games. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I've kind of not in a, as direct way, um, <clears throat> but I've kind of, I I'm think direct kind of, well, I've, I'm kind, I've kind of alluded to that the last couple of weeks where, you know, I think in moments or in games, yeah, sure. They can get better. They can execute better. Uh, you can, you know, just play better in general, but I think from a, yeah, but what I'm saying is like, this is yeah. not all of a sudden going to be a team that, that is great out on third down defense. No, no. They're, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you are who you are, I think, at this point in the right. sense of, That's like, what I'm getting at. they're not all of a sudden going to start. I, I can't imagine. I mean, may, who knows? But it's hard to envision just, like, the two-thirds, of, you know, two-thirds of the season is done. And these last four games, they're going to go from a 41% third-down defense to a a 48 or 49% third down defense. So there right. are, are similar things in, in uh, offensively, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's kind of baked into to what they are and whether that's, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but it's hard, you know, the book is out. You're scouted very well. Teams just, you're just, that's kind of, you know, this is who they are and they can have explosive moments, but they're not, putting it together right now. And I think it's going to be a struggle from here on out offensively. Um, so we'll see how they try to. What try if I to told you that prove me the, wrong? There could be the change maybe on the offensive line coming <laughs> this week against the Navy. Um, is that your attempt at a terrible German accent? Maybe. That's still French. Yeah, it's, yeah, kind of. It definitely seemed. Uh, I can't do German. We've already determined this. I can't do German. My German is terrible. It was like it was like you know, I'm Pe- German. Pepe Le Pew flashbacks. Yeah, I'm German. My family is. I'm from. My family is from Germany, but I can't do German at all. I can't. Um. Well, I mean, if we want to go back to the very beginning, I posed the question. Is that the best offensive line with him involved and not moving so many pieces around from where they were last year? Well, I mean, if he's involved, there's it's still it's not simple. It's not simple. No, he's a but, he's a right side of the line guy. Right, but I, I meant like him and having him at uh, right guard and. 
Quinn at right tackle. Now Huber Huber has played pretty darn well throughout the for the most majority of this season. And we did Huber's not know not going anywhere. We did not know that coming into the the year. So I mean that was why my base Huber's was, not going anywhere. Right. So then if Huber's not going anywhere and uh the German sausage is on the right side. If I'm reading the tea leaves, that would indicate that maybe Dylan O'Quinn is moving to left guard. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, we, we shall see. Um, that would make, a, a in my opinion, a, a pretty formidable inside duo of O'Quinn and Mets, but you know, Mets also hasn't played all year. How does that? I mean, he's probably played, but I'm. You know what I mean? Like from a from a serious, you know, 50, 60, 70 snap type thing. Um. So you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm not at this point like I'm not really against any um, tweaks, personnel changes, whatever you think might be able to. In this case, probably jumpstart more of the running game than the passing game, but. I'm not opposed to any of it. I mean, the offense has regressed, been stagnant since the second half of the Indiana game. So, yeah, why not? Uh, get to a couple of things. Is it surprising that Corey kind of doesn't know the playbook at this point in the season? Who said he didn't know the playbook? I don't think – I mean, that's nothing that I've heard from anybody. I think his biggest problem is the other two guys are better in pass protection – and if you look at what happened in the Central Florida game, they passed a lot. They 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 did not run a ton in the UCF game. They they ran fourteen times. So well, if you're going to be in in situations where you're just you're going to throw, you need the two guys back there that you trust the most in pass protection. And Corey's been stop and start and stop and start like. He hasn't pass, had the work that those guys have had. Pass protection, yes, but I would say that the other two guys are also Better bigger pass catchers, bigger threats, pass pass catching, and and as receiving threats. Um, and I just think you have you have uh, several good running backs. Like in a game like that, someone's getting pinched. Like, does it really matter if you run it 14 times or whatever it was and they're split evenly and each guy gets four or five carries? Right. Like, I I don't know if that really matters in a game that you can't run the ball. Does it matter who got carries? Jerome Ford said that. Jerome Ford's not on this team. It's not that he's not still in communication with these guys, but I I don't – much i'm not i just i'm not going to speculate on right what who knows, he knows the playbook or right whatever I, I, I it's not something i would feel comfortable doing um because i don't know one way or the other but it was just an odd it was a game that they could not run the ball and they realized that and so they decided not to keep pounding their head against the wall which i totally understand so someone's not getting the carries and so if you're passing the ball uh, a lot, you're going to have your pass blocking backs or your pass receiving backs in the game. Yeah. Other thing being, um, how can a defense be great on first and second down and drop off so much on third down? I, I don't know that they're great on first and second down. This is a very 
boom or bust defense. I mean, the last two drives of the UCF game, they only had one third down and they went right down the field. So they weren't good on first or second down on those two drives either. Right. And that's, it's, yeah. They've been, it's it's home run or strikeout. Like it's two outcome defense right now. They right. either when they're able to get pressure and cause havoc sacks, with the quarterback, loss, havoc, yeah, you know, when you get that much pressure and you've had that much that many sacks and that many tackles for loss, you're putting teams in tough down and distance situations. When they haven't been able to do that, teams have not really struggled moving the ball on them. So it's right. it's it's very similar. To the offense, where if it's not if it's not a bunch of explosive plays or one big explosive play, then they struggle to, you know, we don't see a lot of 10, 12 play drives offensively. No. You know, we see three, four play drives, five play drives, and we see that end up in punts, or we see five, six, seven play drives that end up in touchdowns. There's right. not a lot of methodical 12 play, pick up three third downs, you know, stuff stuff like that out of this offense. And it's it's actually kind of similar to the defense. Yeah. I mean, that's they're either putting another the thing opponent, I was thinking about today. It's either, either home run or strikeout. They're either ways. putting the opponent in third and 18, and it's hard to pick up third and 18 no matter what play you call. Or they're not really in third, third down six, very third often because they're getting first. They're, I mean, UCF only had 14 third downs. They converted seven of them, and they had 30 first downs. 85 plays, 30 first downs. Do the math. It ain't a. It ain't. It ain't strictly a third down problem. No. Um. Health. It's another thing that this team was very lucky last year. Oh, dude. If you really I mean go back and look at it, what main contributor? There were there were two main injuries last year, both Jerome of them Ford. high ankle strains. Jerome, uh, Ford. Jerome Ford, yeah, that was another one. Michael Young and Malik Van. I was talking about extended, like that 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 drug out for a while. Right. Were the ankle sprains for Michael Young and Malik Van, and then you had shorter ones. Jerome Ford missed what one game, one and a half games. Yeah, he either missed a game, started it, got hurt, then yeah, was he was kind of fits and starts for like a a, a three game period. He didn't play one game, but then he was like out the game before that for a while, and then wasn't one hundred percent the third game. So, Tonk, watch the show, brother. We got we got a lot of time to fill. I know you. I know you got a lot of questions. We're gonna get to it all. That's what we're here for. But yeah, I, I mean, that, that last year they were as about was, as about as healthy as you could really expect, all the way yeah. through too. Like nothing in camp and nothing really in the season. Well, Josh and camp got dinged up, but no, no one got no one was out for the year. You always see somebody right, right, right for the year in right. camp. I mean, it's three hard weeks of of practice, and yeah, you know, nobody they went into the season about as healthy as they've ever been and kind of carried that all the way through. And they're just not having that same, um, you know, injury luck 
this year. And when you're replacing the talent and experience that they're replacing, and then some of the more talented, more experienced guys are the ones getting hurt, you know, you're asking guys that have been really good at the beginning of the year in like a 10, 15, 20 snap type of uh, usage to now be really good in a 40, 45, 50 snap type of usage. And they're just not quite there yet. You're, you're, a lot of this now is getting to a situation where this was supposed to be like the apprentice year for a lot of these younger guys, right? Like they hadn't really seen the field because they were blocked. Now they were going to get to be one B's where, like you said, 15, 10, 15, 20 snaps, you get that experience. You, you stack a season under your belt. You're a major part of game planning and you're a major factor in your position group. And then, you know, the mentor, the master gets hurt. And now you're forced into action. And as you start getting in game eight, game nine, and it's a lot of wear and tear. It's a lot of uh, working through something that, that you weren't expected to be ready for. Whereas even last year, like, the guy went out, you still felt pretty good about what was next. And it's not that you feel bad about what Cincinnati's bringing in. It's that you you don't know anything about what they're going to look like when the lights go on. Which means you get it in, like, like flashes, right? The light doesn't stay on. It's on strobe. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just you, you're, you're dealing with guys that you're going to get inconsistent play because they're just – they don't have the experience. They – they don't know they haven't been on the field enough to know like oh i remember last year when these guys did this right and this lineman or they had this alignment and and we had this call and i did this and you're doing they're doing stuff for the first time you're never going to be as confident you're never going to be as good when you're doing anything the first time versus you know a third fourth even fifth year guy that's you know, you look at the guys last year, Kobe, Sauce, DeBlanco, Curtis, like those guys played UCF three, four times. Yeah. But a lot of the guys on the defense this year, either they played very, very little against them last year, and maybe only in the second half when it was a blowout, or they never played against them at all. Right. And so you just you're dealing with that, and it's I'm I mean not using it. It's not an excuse. You just like it's just the the growing pains of a younger, more inexperienced team trying to uphold expectations that I think were rightfully placed on them, but there also is just you know a little bit of a drop off that maybe we didn't see coming that is in watching the games play out is is totally understandable not that it's acceptable or expected but i don't think anything that we've seen is like you can't go like oh my god i can't believe this is happening i mean it's pretty reasonable to do what they're doing uh and and when you're dealing with all of the little intricacies that um that they had to deal with from last year to this year 
Yeah. Um, how much of that, and Luke wouldn't bite when I asked him yesterday. I tried. How much of that do you think is how much they've been on the road through the first eight games of this season? I mean, I'm sure it's a little part of it. I mean, you build confident. Everybody knows how confident they are at home. Right. Um, That's what I'm talking about. You build, like you've you build never really been able home. to get on a roll. You, you build a routine. You, you know, you've, you've not only had, you know, I would say of the conference teams, you know, obviously UCF and UC have this, you know, whatever, whatever sense you want to call it, rivalry, whatever, tough to go down there and play. Um, SMU's not a, really ever been a tough place to play, but they're one of the more talented teams in the league. And Tulsa, for whatever reason, has given UC, you know, yes. been, a, been a, a physical close game more times over the last few years. So you're playing like, whether it's the more talented teams or the teams that just seem to play you well, you play those three teams in a row, not in a row, UCF was in there, but three row games in a row. So you got all those guys in, in a row on the road. And I'm sure there's a, a, a somewhat of a wearing effect, but at the same time, like, you have to, you know, if you're going to be the team that we want them to be and that they probably want themselves to be, like, you have to be able to be better than that and and figure out a way to get the win. And they just – they had in the previous games and they just weren't able to on Saturday. Yeah. I, I just think it's interesting, like, from that perspective of, like, you're building – you're trying to build confidence. You're trying to build momentum. And you're on the road at Arkansas. You come home for the FBS game. Down to Paul Brown, which is home, but it's not. You're not at Nippert. Indiana, and then, boom, three of four. And, and we talked about this when we previewed the season. Like, it was going to tell the tale where they came out of at the UCF point of the season because you were going to have five of your first eight games on the road and three of your first four conference games on the road. Could they survive it? And they couldn't. That's all. Uh, Matt. Is this Matt Chick from ESPN? I don't know. Matt, are you from ESPN? <laughs> um, who's the leader when things go wrong? Blue Fickle, probably. <laughs> but from a player standpoint, I mean, I think there is a – I mean, we're not there. I don't want to say there's like a void, but you knew last year who, who the leaders were. Yeah, you know why? Because those guys played every snap for four years. Right, and so you just, you know, you can't just, you can't automatically, like, anoint uh, a leader. Just like, hey, it's a new year. I, I know, I was just joking. Um, they, have to, they have to come to the surface on their own, and maybe this team doesn't quite have that that person. I mean, I think... You know, I think Jabari is, is kind of in, in that role. Um, but I don't know how Huber defensively, Jabari defensively, but I'm Arbonne not sure they're I'm not sure they're they're like their style, you know. <clears throat> Des, I think, was more quiet, but when he wanted to to say something Yeah, but that grew over time too. Right. Like, well, that's my point, is like you can't just like it just has to I don't know if they just have I don't know if they have anybody in that role because they haven't been in that role. Right. And and that role hasn't been needed here for a while. And it, and it gets tougher when you have 
with I think it's going to be tougher, and I think it's going to maybe be something we see nationally at times because, like, with the transfer portal, is it does that make it harder to build, you know, leaders from a year in year out basis? Like, I'm not saying Ben is not a leader or is a leader, but like if your quarterback is new. And he's he's in a different situation because he's been here sure. before. But like with all these quarterbacks that move around and everything, is it is it hard to build build that leadership with so many guys? I mean, UC doesn't really mind the portal nearly as much as a lot of schools. So like, I wonder if that's the thing that you start seeing is just like if things start to go bad for a team, who's the, who's there to to kind of pull things back in line? If you know you've had a bunch of guys leave and then a bunch of guys come in and it's almost like a, a truly like a new new team every year, yeah. even though even though it's a different team every year, like the UC team, for example, going from twenty to twenty one was like very much we were like this is like the, we joked about it in camp. We're like there's nothing to talk about because it's like the same team. Yeah, this, the, the, everybody is in the role they were in last year essentially. I don't know if you get that as often with the portal moving forward. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a valid and relevant like reality because it's it's a different era. It's a different time in college sports where there's just not going to be many situations going forward where you have a team where everybody's been starting for 2, 3 or 4 years. Like it's just not how how this sport works anymore, right? Right. I also don't think it's it's out of the ordinary to just have a year where maybe it just doesn't you just don't have specific guys that fill that type of role. I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's odd to just be like, well, this year we just didn't quite have it, but next year like this we we think we will. Yeah, I mean, it's such a year-to-year thing. I don't know how you even – because it – leadership is a – like a and, – and this isn't new. Like, we're all grown-ups. We've all been around for a long time. Um, in a year-to-year setting, like, unless you've got uh, Dez and Kobe coming back, right? Right. It is it, it 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 has to develop organically. It has to be natural, and there's nothing you can do to fake it, right? There's nothing you can do to say like players A, B, and C. Those are those are the guys we're turning to, um, because there are going to be times that the team doesn't follow your lead, right? The team is going to follow the lead of the players that do the best job leading from the front, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. You just can't manufacture it. It's either going to, no. it's either going to be there or it's not. And again, I'm, I can't really comment on whether, it, whether there's a void there. I mean, I'm sure when the season's over, depending on how it plays out that, you know, we could probably get some off the record stuff that we probably still wouldn't tell you, but right. <laughs> I mean, we could hint, hint around about it, but I mean, it's tough to, can't really glean anything from it from it right now i mean 
now if you if you see like another loss or two the rest of the regular season then i think you could you could maybe you know do some inferring and possibly some assuming but i mean if they end up winning the last four games and going 10 and 2 and making the conference championship i think it's I'm not sure it's something that that really needs too much of a deep uh, deep dive into. I concur. Um, as we go into this final quarter of the season, is there anything you think that can be corrected, that can be taken from the side of, that's who this team has been so far and put over into the column of they figured whatever it is out that was holding them back in these certain areas. I mean, I think defensively they just had a bad game. They had bad tackling, yeah. bad, you know, so I'm, I'm not certain. I'm not sure there's one thing or something that I would say defensively that I'd be like, if you did this or if you, uh, you know, I still think they're good defensively. They're not even with the game that they just had. A lot of their numbers are still very good, and I think that they'll figure that out. Offensively, I think the thing that, and I mentioned this Sunday morning, was that I do think that that they would benefit. The entire unit would benefit from maybe just some what I call gimmies or freebies. Like I just feel like the in the passing game, it is. It is an aggressive passing game, which I appreciate, but it is not a passing game that helps you get into a groove early in a game. Unless you just manage to hit right on that unless first try. Unless you're playing a pass defense like Navy's, or you, or you, or you hit it. You know, like you said, if you hit some, if you hit them, great. But like, I'd, I would, I would just like to see him. Like, here's just a couple easy ones. Well, couple, they, they have couple, tried that, and Ben has either thrown a bad pass or the receiver has dropped it. Yeah, couple chain – like, just some quick chain movers. Like, get us in second and three. Right. You know, if, even second and four, second and five. I mean, your whole playbook is essentially open to you at that point. Um, but they're, you know, they're starting second and ten, then they're running the ball for two or three yards, or they're, you know, what was it – Saturday, they actually did okay on the first down play and then ran it for nothing and then brought Evan in. And it's, um, so I think, and I think that, and I would like to see a little bit more. And again, you're eight games in, the scheme is the scheme. Like, I'm not sure how much they're going to change, but just, you know, you're asking me the question. I would like to see a little bit more creativity out of the run game, a little bit more to the outside, a little bit more misdirection, a little bit more you know, trying to fool the defense. I'm not sure that's the right word, but like trying to get them to show you what their intentions a little bit more, like we're static offensively, in my opinion, we don't really use motion that much. Um, you know, just kind of just those things that I think are, are realistic um, tweaks that might, you know, might just help them a little bit. Yeah. Um. All right, I guess we uh, we without the UCF talk, we needed to, to fill something for the first little segment of the show. So uh, there's the first segment of the show, and now let's get into looking ahead to Navy. 
who is now without their starting quarterback. Yes. Um, they have had some performances this year that have been better than expected. They've had some really, really bad performances this year as well. What does the Dave Simone research uh, team tell him about this Navy squad? Uh, offensively, they're just not what they even, I mean, they weren't very good offensively last year, but they're with Ty Lavatai being out. I mean, they're going from a 6 221 pound quarterback to a 5'9, 176 pound quarterback. So you're going to see, you know, they run the triple option, but there is a lot of option inside of that. Not everything is the same. You can't, can't just throw option out as a blanket term. I think you're going to see a lot more like straight option to the perimeter. So linebackers, DBs are going to have to be on their game. Xavier Arline is their starting quarterback now. He is uh, much faster, much more athletic than Ty Lavatai, but he... I'm unless they get down real big, I'm not expecting them to throw the ball. Yeah, it's just not what they do. I mean, well, it's not even what more does. so than yeah, more so than normal. Like they they don't throw the ball in general, but like right, that's what not, I'm saying. He's not a throwing quarterback. He threw, he had one pass attempt against Temple last week. They didn't complete a pass, right? No, yeah, they were. Lava time won a game one. and didn't complete a pass. Yeah, he was 0 for 1, and uh, Xavier Arlen was 0 for 1. So I don't think they're going to be doing much throwing. Um, Daba Fofana is the fullback. He is there. He's the key. First down is the key. You hear all the old cliches like. Wait, you're you're telling me that the dive is the key? It is stopping the the triple option. It is. Huh. You tackle the fullback on every play, no matter what. I had a conversation with somebody about that yesterday, and they did gave me a hard time. For did he, tell you, did he say that it it wasn't? No, he never. He, he that's just, what you should, that's what I would have said. So you're saying that that's not the key? I tried to do that, and <laughs> he avoided the 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 redirect. Of course, he did. He just wanted uh, to but, know if I was telling him how to stop the triple option. I told him yes. You should have said, well, uh, are we going 2017 or are we going recently? <laughs> I don't want him to fight me. That's a strong man. Yeah. Uh, that was his weakest shot this week. Right. 488 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, which is not surprising. You're the fullback, but. Right. I mean, 500 but, yards. But second and six. You can't live oh, yeah. in second and six against I the mean, option. If they're living in second and six, second and five, then you're in third and one, third and two, and you're going for it on a bunch of fourth downs, and it's just you get two first downs, and it's a six-minute drive. Yeah. Uh, the two other main, whatever you want to call them, slot back, wing back, running back, Markel Hayward, Haywood, and Vincent Terrell. Uh, Haywood's the more dynamic guy, six and a half yards of carry, almost 400 yards rushing. Terrell is like their second leading receiver as well. So he's, you know, he'll get the ball and in the backfield. Um, I'm sh- I'm imagining those guys might get a few more carries. The The splits might be a little different. Like I said, I don't think they're going to run as much inside stuff with the quarterback being that he's the second team quarterback. 
And he's also very, very small. So I think they're going to want to get him on the perimeter, get him in space, get him in a, in a pitch situation with these, with Haywood and Terrell. And you might not see quite as much of Fafana. And I think you'll definitely won't see as much of like the play where Lavatai would take the snap and kind of like go to the side a little bit and then just run behind the fullback. You know, the keep the keep stuff, the, the between the tackles quarterback keep stuff. I'm not sure you'll see as much of that. Um defensively, they're they're weird. They have 19 sacks, which is pretty good. Six interceptions, n- nine forced fumbles. Guess how many they've recovered? I don't know. Uh, nine. Nine. Which is quite a quite an anomaly. So that they're pretty good at, at forcing turnovers. Um, the concern I have is, if you remember last year, they did a lot of damage with games and stunts and pressure up the middle. And someone last week did a lot of damage with games and stunts and pressures up the middle. So they better figure that out because. Because they're not good pass defense. They're small on the outside. Like, this could be a big mismatch game for Josh, Lenny, Nick Mardner. Um, They stopped the run pretty well. I mean, they're 16th in yards per carry allowed, 3.22. But they are atrocious in pass defense. Opponent passer rating, 123rd. Yards allowed per attempt, 124th. Like, they... Is this a, a game where you just come out pass, 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 pass? Put put the run game aside for a little while. If you feel like you can pick up their games and pressure, but I mean, we didn't we didn't do that last week. They haven't done it all year, right? So I mean, I mean that they gave Des as much fits about as anybody last year with inside pressure. Yeah, and so this is the game where you. This is the type of team that I'm saying this is where I want the freebies. Like, hit the quick stuff first to hopefully keep them from doing that. Like, if you if you hit them with the quick stuff, and you break, just like UCF did, and you break some tackles and you move the ball that way, then they can't pressure as much because you're not taking these, like, long developing plays. You're getting the ball right. out quick. You're making them turn and run. And – they have smaller DBs, so you know, get it out to our bigger guys. Get it to our receivers. Like, get the ball in Tyler Scott. You don't have to hit Tyler Scott in a 75-yard touchdown for him to be effective. Um, it felt like he was knocking some rust off against UCF big time. For sure. For sure. I mean, that's – and that's understandable. But, like, that's my concern is, like, sure, I, I think you need – I mean, you're going to beat them by throwing the ball. We're a passing – oriented team they're not good stopping the pass but they do a lot of a lot of stuff defensively that you haven't seen you just like offensively uh they do a lot of stuff that is not super common and they're gonna run games because they can't they're not big enough to just take on offensive linemen head up so they have to run games they have to run stunts they have to try to confuse you give you different looks bring pressures Stuff like that. So, yeah, if we can pick it up, then it shouldn't be a problem. But 
that's not been the case yet this year. Yeah, that part is like. So I don't think you can just abandon the run because you're, you know, you're then you're telling them like, go ahead, tee off. Yeah, but you also don't want to create a situation where you're running a bunch of one-yard plays into the line of scrimmage. And no, I think you go try put to yourself get, behind the sticks again. Get on, get to the outside a little bit more. Um, but I mean, they, against the better. Here's, here's team, my problem with that. We've talked about that, and when they've done it, it's always been one of those. No, not like that. Don't do it like that. I'm the other fun. way. I'm good with any, any any run that is not just like a straight dive between the tackles. I just don't think the running game is very imaginative. I think it's you're you're just relying on like winning your individual matchup and not necessarily like scheming it and and stuff like that. But they have not been good against anyone like with a pulse outside of they did beat ECU somehow. Twenty three twenty for like five hundred and something, so much six hundred yards. Didn't they? I mean, they lost thirty seven thirteen to Memphis. They lost fifty three twenty one to Tulsa. They lost thirty eight twenty to Houston. They were down forty to twenty at SMU, and then scored two late touchdowns to make it yeah. a lot closer than it really was. I mean, they, they lost to Delaware at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, their wins are Temple and Overtime, Air Force, and ECU. Um, so, but I mean, ECU's got to be kicking the shit out of themselves for that one, don't they? Yeah, no kidding. Um, they'd be they'd be right in the thick of this thing, kind of controlling their own destiny if they don't lose that Navy game. Yeah, I don't do they have one loss or do they have two losses? I think they have two in conference, so they would have had one. I think. Yeah, I have no idea. But, you know, it, you never – with the triple, is just – if you're not on your keys and you don't make tackles, I mean, they, they, they're they going to make it hard. And you're not going to have as many possessions no matter – I mean, unless they turn the ball over and you just play lights out like we did, what was it, the COVID year? Yeah, 20 when it was like 42 to nothing and they just, yeah. I mean, they literally could not do anything. They lost to Tulane. Oh, okay. So yeah, so they've, got... they've got two. If they would have yeah. had one though, yeah, they've got UC, UCF coming up. They got Cincinnati coming up. Like, they, have, they have Houston. Houston. Yeah. They could have been a, a spoiler, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of making the conference championship game. But I, I think we can over, you know, the same problem that the that they've had now since joining the league is you just get to know the scheme a lot better, yeah. and you know especially with the transfer portal. I mean, I listened to uh, Coach Niamatololo's press conference this week. He, he's a joy to listen to. Like he is very, he's very very honest, and it's refreshing. And he's like, it's going to take a Herculean effort. Like these guys are still really damn good. He's like, someone asked him about like them and and the, the big 12 and playing the teams going and he's like yes i cannot wait for them to leave <laughs> <laughs> i never I, luke basically was like i will never play an option team again if i can no play. hell no um but i mean they've got their their little slot backs and running backs and quarterback are going to be able to make plays if you don't and that's the thing too is okay the thing that we talked about earlier 
how many of these guys have, have played a bunch of snaps against Navy defensively? Well, let's go down the list. Hopefully, Jabari is back. Yep. He was a limited but active participant in practice uh, yesterday, which was different than a non-participant in practice so last I think Tuesday. I think it's fair to say that, you know, hopefully... It's a hamstring. Hopefully, he's a limited participant in the game. Right. Like, there's no way you could be a limited participant with a hamstring injury in practice and then go out there and play 70 snaps. Right. <clears throat> he did participate. He right. was out there, but he wasn't a, a 100% like out there with the first team doing every rep. It's unrealistic um, to think he's just going to jump right back into the pre-injury usage. Right. Um, so Jabari has... Uh, Briggs, Briggs has, has one, one game. Year. Yeah. Um, Dante is not. Watley has well, not. Is Potter not. Has well, not. Uh, I think Watley played a little bit last little year, bit, but not significant. Right. Um, Deshaun Pace has. Ivan Pace has not. Huber. Huber has some. But, but not in years. the, but yeah. In, not in the DeBlanco Beavers. Like right. Those were the guys. Van Fossen um, had a Van had a great game last year, right? Yeah. Against them, like he, I would expect Van Fossen to be. Well, yeah, because they're going to go. Fighter. They're going to go four four. Yeah. Um, Shep, no. Arquan, no. No, he Arquan played, one, played one snap. He got an interception. Yeah, played one snap. And he played against him in twenty, but I don't know how. But he was still the nickel. I don't know how much. Right, he, he wasn't. He wasn't playing the same position. Correct. Right. And there's just not a lot of need for a nickel on the field no. against Navy. Well, no, so I would assume it was similar to 21 where he didn't play a ton. Right. Um, Hicks, yes. But not a ton. Uh, well, he played last year and he played in 19. Did they play him in 19? I don't, uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, he played – he was a starter last year against Navy, so he's had one game. One. But you're definitely not dealing with guys that have played Navy two, three, four times right. at all. And then I, the and then, I would guess, and then the backups. I guess Dominique Perry is going to have to play more if you're going to. And my I, I, hypothetically, I would think we'll see Damo or uh, uh, Dante at the nose and and Briggs at three tech in there together. Right, but you do that, you have to play more guys then because those those guys aren't going to play right. seventy snaps at. So at so then Damo is going to have to. Damo's probably going to have to play nose, and then somebody like Watley or Mulaney. Mulaney will play the three tech, and then again, like we talked about, like you're getting, even if Jabari plays fifty percent of the snaps. Well, no, Watley and Mulaney will still play end because no, who's the three tech? If you play well, Briggs and Corleone together, and Damo is the nose behind Corleone, who is the three tech behind Briggs? Probably, probably Wally, not Mulaney. Right? Wally or Potter? Potter, Potter, I think, is too upright. Like, I think. Yeah, yeah. but he's just. I mean, Mulaney's like 250 something. I mean, he's he's not playing in there. Yeah, but their, their linemen aren't big. Maybe. I, it's probably not Mulaney. I'm just saying. Right. That's where the depth stuff, and if you're moving, 
if you're moving Watley to three tech, you, you've just got Potter and Mulaney well, and ends that have you, experience. Do you bring J- do you bring Jaheim down more or Huber down more? Maybe. Because you've got Pace, Pace, Van Fossen. So does one of those other two guys play more of that hanging hang defensive end? But in a four-four, just more of like a true defensive end. Like Jaheim has played kind of that position in games before. Yeah, where he's just like a stand-up defensive end. In this game, he would be more of a just a traditional four-man front defensive end. Because um, then you would still have the, those three other guys and Huber, or you know, some other formation of a safe. You know, maybe, do you bring threats down? Because do you re, you know? You know, like, what, like, uh, does like, Armorian Smith play more? Do we well, see yeah, he, he plays down because, like, Lamb Big says, is, is this a game where Bush can press more? You don't need five, five press DBs. Doesn't matter. Well, you don't need five DBs. So, like, does Armorian come down and play almost like a linebacker type of position? Does threats come down and do that? Like, I mean, I'm just, you know, thinking of ways that they'll, right. they'll use these guys because you're not going to have two outside corners, a slot, and two safeties. No, no. Uh, who is the scout team QB for option week? Uh, Will Adams has been the primary guy. Has come back, come over from his safety spot and been the uh, the primary scout team option quarterback. Prediction time. What do you got? Uh, I mean, given... <laughs> What we've seen and what Navy is, I'm gonna say uh, 31 14. Okay, I think with the past defense as bad as Navy has been, I think they pop this open in the second half, and it's they get into the 40s. I think the offense gets back on track. That's a tough bit. to do with the number. I mean, they're going to have to score on almost all their possessions or have short, real short possessions. Or pull an SMU and score 48 points on 40 plays. Yeah. Or 40, I think it was 40 points on 48 plays. Yeah. I think, well, maybe, maybe 38. How's 38? Not quite 40, but they maybe. find a way to get five touchdowns and a field goal. You got to, you got to, you know, try to force some fumbles um, or figure out a way to stop them on first down. Like you're just not, if you don't do that, you're not going to get the possessions. Cause even if you score on 50% of your possessions, touchdowns to get to your number, you'd have to score. You know, five. I've only got them scoring one more touchdown. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying like, they're going to have to play some, some defense to, to get like it's just hard to get yeah. unless something unless they have like super quick drives or stuff like I'm just that. thinking with a with a with a you know different quarterback that's that's really kind of doing this for the first time as the starter he didn't have a lot of success against Temple well yeah they didn't I mean it's not like they you know they did not play well offensively against Temple right if Temple can slow him down, I'm going to take my chances. Sure. No, I agree. I just, I'm still, I'm just worried about the pass protection in order for us to get, 
you know, more than like 28, 31 points. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they. Their offense is not good. I mean, they ran for, they only ran for 224 yards. Right. They were eight for 21 on third down, two for four, they had 12 first downs the whole game. I think they, they kept it. They were able to win because they had three. They forced three turnovers and got four set four sacks. Right. And Temple was four for sixteen on third down, <laughs> which is very UC of them. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> uh, is Ben Bryant still the QB? Yes, Ben Bryant Correct. is still the yes. QB. Does the current season that Ben is having a prerequisite to having a Des-like season next year? Uh, no, no, I, no, I don't think they're. I mean, even with Dez, like he he almost got like there were questions, especially like really questions in 20, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're several years removed. Like, I'm I can't, can't say a hundred percent certain, but I feel fairly confident in saying that, like. If Ben Bryant doesn't get COVID, he starts the USF game and Dez does not that year. When Dez played terrible, by the way, <laughs> they won 28 to 7, but I mean, he threw like three then, or four interceptions. Well, I mean, what, what changed Dez's career is coming out of the bye week against SMU. Right. So, like, you know, you can take a, it's college football, you can take a huge leap from, I mean, just look at some of the guys that have gone from. Virtually unknown as to like top five draft picks, right? Um, yeah, in one year, in one from one year to the next. So, I don't yeah. think you have to be necessarily great to then do that again. Um, I'll ask you just your personal opinion do you think we see some more usage of Evan? No, I. When? How? Right. Like, well, I, the way I, that, I, kind of the way that I'm saying that I I would think that they could use him was like, not a not a back and forth two QB thing, but like a a first down, and it might even be in the drive itself, but not this like run him out there on third down. That made no sense to me. Like, I just I don't know. Starting three, Dave. Evan's the key to opening up the run game. You just put Evan in there. All of a sudden, the run game's in lo- unlocked. You just run for hundreds of yards a game. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't. <laughs> I don't um, um, maybe a couple extra. Like, if I had to take, if you gave me five and a half over under on number of plays as long as there's not an injury or something right no you know yeah i would take the under i think this would be a perfect game to do it though against a really really good run defense no against a defense that your quarterback then would be like much more athletic than pretty much anybody they have on defense everybody they play is more athletic than everybody they have on defense no that's not true Kind of is. Evan is more athletic than everybody that was on UCS defense. No, I'm talking about everybody Navy's defense plays yeah, on but the they other don't... side of the ball. They're all more athletic than Navy's defense. Yes. And they I'm... still 
hold teams to 3.2 yards per rush. I understand that. But how many of those teams have a quarterback that they've played have a quarterback like him? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, didn't Temple quarterback by one of Kurt Warner's 47 kids? Well, He's got to he, be pretty athletic. Uh, yeah, I think you and I are more <laughs> athletic. Um, if I, if you're asking me how many plays is he in there, I would say five or less. All right. I just, I was just curious. I don't I, I'm just answering, like, I, I'm answering the question. I don't yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know. And that might be, that might be fine though. That's the thing is like, what are those five plays? Like, what are, what, what happened? But here's the thing. If you told me three and a half, I'd still probably still take the under. Oh, I would too, because we're going off of. Six right. years, six Good, years right. of track record, empirical evidence. Right. I mean, yeah. we've had two games where he's run one play outside of Ben having a concussion. Right. Or a blow. And the rest. Yeah, I'm talking about like in the normal, right, like flow of things. He sure, ran sure. one play against USF. He ran one play against S- uh, UCF. And that no, was he it. ran more. He ran a, a drive against USF. You were one play against UCF. USF was Ben's concussion. Yeah. I'm talking about in the regular, right. Ben is the quarterback. Yes. I thought you said he ran one play against USF. In the regular flow of Ben oh, is healthy I, I in the quarterback. Even, I didn't even remember that play. I was just thinking of the. No, he came in and ran the play from the 10 on first down that they got to the. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the right. The three or whatever. See, it was first so down. Ran. That's what you should. First down. Reds, red zone. I, I agree with you. I don't like running him out there on third down and telling the opposing team we're bringing in our running quarterback. Unless, unless you're going to let him throw and like, like let him throw. I don't like that on third down. Yeah. I, I could, I'm second and seven. I, I could also be sold on. Uh, you're setting yourself up for potentially a bad third down. But second and seven, Wait, I could be I guess my on. thing was with like like the third down play, run a normal third down play, and if he happens to run, or if that's like that was just an obvious running play. Yeah. And third and three. We've, we've early early in the game. We've hammered that enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd just be interested. I mean, I'm interested to see like Luke's comment post game. Now, post game comments can be you know what they are, and sure. Doesn't doesn't you know mean anything for the next game? But I mean, he he said what I wanted him to say. Like we need to find a way to use all of our weapons. Now let's yeah see what happens. <laughs> Maybe you line them up out wide. You motion them into the backfield with Ben, and you just create some real chaos. Sure, I mean. I'm fine with that. You could run so many form. You could run so many normal formations that when you just put him on the field, the other team, you know, it throws them for a loop. Or you could bring him in on third and three and run up the middle and run the read option. Yeah, RPO. <laughs> um, Simone family tailgate. Do we know uh, a theme? Like, I, do we have, are we, where are we at in the process? Uh, I think we're having some assortment of sliders. Sliders are good. I don't know. Um, uh, that is a, not a, we're, 
the the mom is not the one making those, so I'm not sure. I don't know exactly, but I'm sure you know. I'm sure it'll be good. We'll obviously have lots of Jello shots. It'll be short weather. I have, I have an awesome slider recipe. Oh well, she's not making them. One of the well, other. Yeah, I know she's making. I know she's not making them. One of the other people. I've never really contributed to the tailgate other than when I'm oh, you say, Are you saying you're going to bring something? I, I could bring. I've told you about my sliders, right? I, I don't know. Cheese coney sliders. Oh. So what you do is take some, some ground beef, right? Get you some Cincinnati chili seasoning. Cook the beef down. And then you cut up your hot dogs into like little chunks. Yeah. You put those in there and you put a little Velveeta to bind it all together. Okay. And then you put them on the slider buns with mustard and some shredded uh, like cheese coney cheese on top of it. Right. Put them in the oven for like 10, 15 minutes to let them, let them, let them do the thing. And then you have cheese coney sliders. Sounds wonderful. Text me and let me know if she wants me to bring them. All right. I'll bring them. I'm actually... I'm sure she's listening right now. She can text me and tell me whether she wants you to. Well, sometimes she listens live. Sometimes she listens <laughs> later, right? She's not always here live. No. Uh, I've been wanting to make them. I, I made them for the Super Bowl and they were a huge hit. Well, then just make them. Okay. I'll just make them. I mean, it's not, they're not going to not get eaten. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be great weather. Yeah, 70, mid 70s, and like we're definitely wearing shorts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't, cannot complain one bit about an early November 70 degree football game day. Four o'clock kick. I love a four o'clock kick. I do too. Big fan. I am, this keeps happening. I I need to, I don't know who I need to talk to. (laughs) But every, I've seen like one Tennessee game this year because our games have been the and again this week they're at three thirty. Right. <laughs> so, um, and it's just the biggest game they've had in like since I was a sophomore. Right. But it, it's at Georgia, right? It is. Not since Alabama. No, nah, but no, this, this is for... now that they beat Alabama. This is yeah. the biggest game they've had since. They were in the SC national championship game to go to the national championship. They lose this, like Aaron, this could be it. They lose this, they don't make the SEC championship game. The chances of getting in the playoff are very slim. Isn't that the same though? If they lost Alabama earlier this year, well, right? No, so because it's the biggest game since Alabama, but you could lose to Alabama, beat Georgia, and still win the East and yes. play in the SEC championship game, win the SEC, and go to the playoff. If you lose. To Georgia, I got you. All right. Georgia gets into the SEC championship game, right? Like that's divisions. I know divisions are a thing of the past, but the SEC is still antiquated. Uh, yeah, they still believe yeah. heavily in divisions. So because after this, if they if they somehow pull off the upset, they have South Carolina, Missouri, and Vandy. They're in the SEC championship. <laughs> you would think Unless something I, really crazy would have to happen. Right. Right. So. And uh, so, yes, this I'm not thrilled about it, but 
how will you be like are you will you be watching on your phone is that an option no i i, I won't i'll just look at texts from buddies and check the score and whatever are you recording it to watch when you get home no i do not i do not do that what if they win and you want to go back and watch i mean if they ESPN win plus it well no it's on cbs oh yeah well you uh, have to record it at least to give yourself the option if they win then then great but but if they win, you don't want to go back and like like relive it. Eh, it's just not the same. I know it's not the same, but I mean, I don't know. we'll see. We'll see. If they win, though, I'm if they win, I'm even more worried about Tulane than ever because then the 1998 thing is really like happening, <laughs> right? Feels like 98. Right and Tulane, that was the best season that like Tulane's ever had. Right? Didn't they right. finish in the top ten? Oh, uh, they were undefeated. I don't know what I don't know where they finished. I think they finished pretty close, if not in the top ten, pretty close to the top ten in '98. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that makes me a lot more worried about t- Tulane. So, go dogs. <laughs> um. <laughs> what? I mean, so, I, I would, I would still like. I actually wasn't. I mean, yes, it was surprising that they beat Alabama or whatever, but, like, I would be shocked if they won Saturday. And I, I think they can, but, like, going – Georgia's without their, their number one guy, right? Well, Lorenzo Carter's back, their, their defensive lineman, who's okay, even, he is back. better than Nolan Smith, yeah. Um, okay. But, I mean, they've got really good DBs. They've got a really good defensive line. So, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. And that was Talking Vols. <laughs> Brought to you by whatever that awesome sandwich place is on campus. And Gus's. Gus's Good Time Deli. I've never been, but you've told uh, me great things. Steam steamed sandwiches. I've I've only like I've only driven through Knoxville. I've never actually stopped. Yeah. Well, if you've Outside driven through Knoxville, like, you haven't haven't seen campus. No, I haven't. I'm not saying I have. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've i been on the outskirts. What, what's that, 260 that you take to get over to 40? Or 240 or whatever it is to get over to 40 to go towards Asheville? I don't even know. Two, well, 275 loops around. Yeah, for them two, seven, whatever it is, yeah. 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 Michael Beers says he thinks uh, UCF will lose to Memphis this weekend. Um. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna not agree. Aaron, um, you're the AAC expert. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I mean they've won. I, I one, hope they do. They've won one road game outside one league road game in two years. So we'll see. Right. They, I'm not even sure UCF knows what quarterback they're starting yet. So, I, Plumley coming back would be a miracle. A bit of a surprise. I mean, it's a yeah, gam- a gamble with a kid's future. I it, that would be risky. Why? Why does Dave like UT again? Yes, um, Dave. Dave is to Tennessee what Van Wilder was to Florida State. Oh no, I was not. I wasn't there that long. <laughs> I caught an extra there. football. I caught an extra football season, but. Uh, not that it was a good one. But you caught it. I did. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I had a I had a good run. 
I had a good run. That's one way to put it. Yeah. That's one way to put it. Um, you wanna you wanna hit some uh, some conference stuff, some Big Twelve stuff? Sure, sure. TV deal is uh, apparently in the home stretch. Yeah, I think it's like uh, handshakes, hugs. Yeah, not officially official, but basically official. I think there's a deal like that at UC right now that I can't talk about, but. I mean, there's, they're not allowing that information to get, I mean, Mac Rhodes from Baylor's AD basically said he can, he can confirm what Sports Business Journal reported. So like, that's basically what it is. Yeah. Uh, What's your, what's your, now that you've had a couple days to sift through all the fine print and all the, all the details, what's your, your takeaway? I mean, it's. I think it's a great deal for everybody involved. Uh, you know, if you're one of the existing remaining Big 12 schools, you were, I mean, just think like, take it, kick it back however long ago that was, like 18 months, 15 months, whatever it was. When Texas and Oklahoma leave, how many just obituaries were written about the Big 12? Right. Just they're dead. You know, they're you know, the commissioners saying that they that they're those two schools are worth fifty percent. Stuart Mandel writes an article saying that like their TV deal is gonna be AAC esque, you know, seven million dollars a year. Yeah. Um the you know, the conference is gonna blow up, everybody's running like it's the Titanic. And then you get it, you sign a deal where if you're one of the, if you're a Baylor in Oklahoma State, like not only are you not making less money, you're making a little bit more. That's, I mean, that right there just shows you the value of live sports. Right. That, that a Texas and Oklahoma can leave and, you know, you're making more money, a little bit more, but it's still more money. And so they're, they're happy. They're like, hey, we're still whole. Like we're not, we're not having to, you know, look at our budgets again and go, okay, now we have to figure out how to stretch this. And then for like UC, like when it's all said and done, we'll just throw around a, a about $50 million out there. Yes. Like, you know, when you take the media part of it and then you take whatever the playoff is going to be and whatever the basketball units are and whatever. Whatever other deals Brett Yormark cooks up, let's just say fifty million. You're getting five x, at least. Seven x. I mean, seven eight million is the um, number. Like, yeah. I mean, I just I don't. We don't ever hear what the actual number yeah. that the conference distributes because it's so paltry. They don't. They don't want to say. But you know, yeah. Let's just say it's ten. Five x. I mean. What can you, what can you do with an extra forty million bucks a year? I could do a lot. Oh yeah, I could do a lot. So it's obviously huge for them. Um, you know, I've have always wanted to stay on ESPN and Fox. I think that's a smart thing to do. I think that I just don't think we we talked about this a little bit the other night. I I don't think streaming is there yet to like to 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 be a foundation for live sports. Streaming is, is a, I think is a nice piece 
But right, I'm not much, gonna, like like the stuff that's still going to be on ESPN Plus. That's fine. You're going to get some non-conference basketball games. You're going to get some some out of conference out of football, conference the, the Miami football. Game. You might you might even get. I mean, like Iowa State and Oklahoma are on ESPN Plus this year or this week. So right. depending on how your season's going, yeah, you could be on ESPN Plus. But everybody already has ESPN Plus in the Big Twelve and UC fans like. It's it's already ingrained in your brain that like yes I might have to go do this, and it's and you know that if you have a good season, you're not going to be on there. Whereas if you're making this like an a, a high level part of your package, like you're gonna have a lot on there, right? And how my, my whole thing is like. The people listening to this pod, and when you talk about the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or whoever, like, we're going to go find our game no matter what because we're the diehards. But, like... Of course. Say UC is just having an average season, and they play on ESPNU against, against Kansas State. Mm-hmm. How many people are going to go watch that game that aren't UC or Kansas State fans versus how many people are going to go onto Amazon to that aren't Cal or Oregon State fans? Right. And you know, you know the biggest thing that, that annoys me with streaming and why I do not watch stuff on ESPN Plus? Just 30 seconds behind the play. That, but more so than that, I can't flip to another game. Right. You're stuck on that game. You're stuck on that game. And so, if I'm sitting here on a Saturday and say UC's not playing in the Big 12, like, but I can watch all these other Big 12 games, I'm not going to go to Amazon to watch. I'm never going to go to Amazon to watch a Pac 12 game. And there's John with the the exact same thing. Like, I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm going to go check out this Pac 12 game because I'm like, well, then I just don't have, like, it takes me another minute or two to flip back to, you know, Whatever game, you know, whatever other game I want to watch. Um, so, the, the other thing is Pac 12, 10 o'clock kickoffs. If you're on Amazon at 10 o'clock, I mean, you're, you're typically not looking for live sports. Kathy, see, I disagree here when it comes to live sports. People are still looking. And, and a lot of people still have, and people are going back to the court because the thing that was attractive about streaming initially was a lower cost, especially with like YouTube TV, like right. the stuff that carries everything kind of bundled for you. Now it's Those just, prices have skyrocketed. Yeah, They're the same the, as cable. The prices have skyrocketed and it's just broken up a ton now. Yeah. To where, like, yes, I'm probably paying more for – I'm a cable guy. I've got Spectrum, whatever. I'm probably paying more. But I can get it all in one place. Yeah. I don't have to go to Hulu for this and Paramount Netflix, Plus for this Paramount Plus. and Amazon for this. And, you know, I can get it all in one spot. And, and I'm – you know, you're willing – some people like me, I'm willing to pay for the convenience. I'm willing to p- pay – um, 
for that. And I think the, the thing that isn't getting discussed from the Pac-12's angle is if it's just going to be ESPN and, and Amazon, how much – how no Apple? I don't think is even. I think this is an. I know. ESPN. I'm just. I'm just throwing like hypotheticals. But like, like ESPN's going to want the A package. Yeah. So now Amazon. Why Amazon? So gonna Amazon's going to pay a ton of money for the leftover Pac-12 stuff that is with with USC and UCLA not involved. Right. That's the part I don't understand. Is like, and I heard you know uh, Andrew Marshan and John Orand have a podcast and you know john talked about maybe they'll do like a 50 50 split of the a stuff and i'm like why would espn do that yeah like i'd be like i want all the the all the best games in the 10 o'clock 10 30 window why am i splitting the a stuff i want the i want the a pick every week and the pac-12 would be out of their mind to give amazon the a stuff right unless amazon just throws a stupid amount of money at them, but that doesn't see. That's the thing. Make sense? What is it? Is a better deal? Just are we strictly looking at a better deal from who got more money per school, or are we looking at a better deal of who got more money per school, but then also has good exposure? I, I guess here's an interesting question. Do you think the Big East is better off? Over the past eight Absol- years or whatever it's been, no. going to Fox? No, absolutely not. Here's here's another one. When the AC or when the AAC did their deal in 2019, there was a lot of talk of like, let's go. What if they went to NBC and was like the main thing on NBC? Or what if they left ESPN and blah 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 because we hate ESPN because they're trying to ruin the conference and all this shit. I know where this is going. It's it's a great question if you ask the question I think you're going to ask. What do you think happens to UC if they're not on ESPN the last two years? They're not going to the Big 12. And they're not going to the playoff either. Right. Yeah. Uh, Peacock does want into the market. They tried that with Notre Dame and the results were bad, right, Dave? Were they not? Well, they're going to be in, they're going to be in the market with the new Big Ten deal, and we'll see how that yeah. goes. Because like, not. Many but didn't people... they put a, a Notre Dame game on Peacock last year? They did it this last week or two weeks ago against okay. UNLV. They did was they it... did a, a game on Peacock last year too. Um, last year was the first first year. Yeah, first year is the first year, and the numbers um, weren't what anywhere near what people thought they were going to be. No, and it's just streaming is not. Look, streaming is awesome. I, sh- I I have it. I stream lots of stuff. I don't mind when UC's on ESPN+. Plus. I don't love it, but I don't mind it. But it's not what sports fans think when they think I want to watch sports unless it involves their very specific team. Right. Like, how many games, and I'll just say this for myself, I don't think I've watched a non-UC game on ESPN+. Plus. I've watched a couple things, but they were always UC-related, as in, like, this is who UC plays in two weeks, or, like, I I, I haven't seen this team yet, and I want to get a look at them and this yeah, game because think, it's I don't even know if I've gone that far. I know, but I'm saying, like, in the, <laughs> in the very rare exception that I have – it's always been work related, is what I'm saying. Right. That's what I'm getting at. 
Right. But I mean, kind of back to the deal itself. I mean, ESPN is definitely still the main, the main rights holder. They have a high number percentage of the, the football selections. Um, but I think, you know, it's kind of funny though, Oklahoma and Texas leaving is not like a good thing. I mean, there certainly would make a ton more money if they were still. Yeah, they'd be up in the 60s, 70s if Oklahoma, Texas State. But Fox apparently liked the fact that without them, there'll be a lot more parity in the sense of they didn't care as much that every game is going to be more interesting. Well, they didn't care as much that ESPN got like the better picks. Because because there's no telling who's going to be like the best pick. It's not like with Fox and they like they instantly just go Ohio State, Michigan, first pick every year, or you know whatever Alabama, LSU. Perfect example. Perfect example, Dave. What pick would TCU, Kansas State have been? Right. Well, it was on FS1, so that tells you what pick it was. Right. Right. And guess what? And it was. Yeah. FS1 had great ratings for yeah. that game. So Fox looks at it as like, yes, ESPN is going to get the first picks, but our f- whatever fifth pick might end up being the game of the, the game year. Game of the week, yeah, or of the year. We just don't know, you know. So, and I think, and then they're coming in in basketball. I know there was a question earlier about what that means for the Big East in basketball. I'm not sure because. You could look at it from the Big E standpoint. Their contract with Fox is, is up in 2024, 2025. But Fox also carries Pac-12 basketball. So is this just replacing what they did with the Pac-12? I mean, ESPN gets the first 20 selections in basketball. So the Fox part of it is not going to be huge. But I'm here's the thing, though. It's still for several years away, but like, what is Fox's appetite for Big East basketball the next time around? Because you always have to be thinking of the next contract, and Brett Yormark obviously looked at that with doing a deal that would then be up for renegotiation before the ACC and the SEC, which are the two main. They're the exclusive rights on, they have their exclusive rights on ESPN. Yeah. So you're getting to the table before, before them. Um, after the playoff has been in, been running for seven, we'll see how long the playoff contract is for as well. Um, but that's the other, like, it'll be interesting because I don't think it's been, I don't think the Big East going to Fox has been what they maybe thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, but, you know, again, the, the the contract having ESPN and Fox, especially with the playoff expanding, you're going to have more networks. It's going to be more like the NFL playoffs where you have certain rounds or certain games on multiple networks. So you're going to be having exposure, promotion, whatever you want to call it. On the two main, these are the two main channels that cover college football. CBS is, I mean, they still have a little pie with the Big Ten, but it's not, it's not major. It's not SEC game of the week. 
Well, it'll be, yeah, it'll be third Big Ten game of the week. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's not, SEC game of the week is a pretty big thing to have, right? Yeah. Um. Here's what I, the, the, the Fox Big East thing. So I think Fox, who at the time that this went down, was, was just starting FS1. And I think there was a belief that the Big East could do for FS1 what the Big East did for ESPN. Right. Because if you remember, when the Big East really became a thing, ESPN was just becoming a thing. Live sports on cable was just really becoming a thing. Yeah, and but they, I a... they hit the mother load because you had all of these personalities and all these guys that ended up being Hall of Famers, right? Like mega stars. And as the Big East exploded in basketball, ESPN was like a conduit. Right. It grew with it. They they rode each other to the top. The only problem is is there was no ESPN already in place at that time. The other thing is what markets did that include at the time like as cable was becoming a thing? Well, because remember even back then cable wasn't really a thing. No, and ne- you know what else? Neither was college football. Right. College football was not I mean, it was big. It was massive, but it wasn't, it wasn't this. It wasn't like this, man. I mean, it right. was no, absolutely close. not. It was big. At, it was big in the South. It was big at Notre Dame. It was big at Oklahoma and Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan, UCLA, USC, and that was about it. Right. Right. FS1 was hoping they would recapture that with with that Big East, but other than Jay Wright. There weren't the coaching personalities. There weren't, and and Villanova dominated that league. So the the storylines weren't all that compelling. Was it good basketball for the most part? Yes. Was it great basketball? No. And it you never. Just don't, you just don't have the same. I mean, you had behemoths in the coaching ranks. Yeah. Yeah. That weren't that weren't that at the time. I mean, they were young coaches, and they were they John Thompson. But you Luke also Lester. had you had programs that in that early stage also like won national championships. Villanova, Jim Valvano, George, Georgetown, Georgetown. Yeah, John Thompson, Syracuse. Like I mean, Bayheim was a, a young younger guy. Young, he wasn't young. Um, <laughs> even started- in the eighties, Bayheim wasn't young. He started there in the in the late seventies. So, um, but you I'm also had this fun of how old he is. Those teams though also won titles, right? And they had three. One year they had three teams in the final four. Yeah, so, I mean they just like they don't get good. It doesn't get good ratings. I don't think it's done. You know, I'm not. I I won't say it's hurt them, but I'm not sure it's helped them. It like, definitely the, hasn't been the like the the flagship that they had hoped it would become ESPN just, I mean, they just suck up all the airspace, man. Like they've been around long enough, you know, for the most part, they're better at it than anybody else. Well, 
you know, for the most part, like if you don't have a very, very specific game that you want to watch, you can find a good game, whether it's college basketball or college football, you can find a good game by just going to one of the ESPNs. Yeah. You don't have to hunt. You just know where to go. Last weekend, there were a couple SEC games on ESPN+. Plus. Yes, because the SEC has an exclusive contract, essentially, going forward with ESPN. Once you get into conference season, there's just not enough places to park all your games. And Don't they put games on SEC Network Plus, basketball games? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically ESPN Plus. Like, yeah, there is an SEC Network 2 or whatever you want to call I it. I think you have to pay extra. Like, I think you have to – I don't think it is – just basically ESPN plus. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, if 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 Tennessee's ever on that, I'm not watching it anyway. So, if I recall correctly, I think the UC game at Georgia, which was the night of the, the championship. championship against Tulsa, yeah, I think that game was on like SEC Network Plus. Yeah, I think it was because you couldn't watch it with ESPN Plus in the press box. And by the time I got up to the press box. Uh, they had just given up like a twenty-two to one run going into halftime, uh, so I didn't bother trying to watch the second half in the press right. box because I got out of the rain. <laughs> right, but I mean, I think yeah, to wrap kind of that whole thing, I think it's a great deal for. I think it's unbelievably impressive that Brett Yormark gets this done in basically three months. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, could they have gotten more money? Waiting and going to the open market, maybe, but is are you? I guess my question is: Are you willing to wait sixteen months and and have that uh, instability kind of hanging over your head? Right. Like yes, the Pac-12 might make more money, but like there, there's just it's in flux much more like this. You pay a little bit of a, a price, I imagine, for the stability of it. You pay a little bit of a price to do a six-year deal. You pay a little bit of a price going 16 months early. But now you have cost certainty. You have stability. You have your platforms are right there in front of you. You can work all of your other deals off of it. You, you can set up all your advertising, all your... Everything can now be can now go in motion because you know what the next six years is going to bring, and you know you see can build a like Scrooge McDuck money pit, and I can jump off a diving board into it. There's a lot of money. Somebody asked us what what do you think the extra money will be spent on? Well, I can uh, primarily you, infrastructure. I, I can tell you because I've been told. Okay, go ahead. Are you uh, yes, I'm allowed. Uh, because none of this is like surprising. A new baseball scoreboard, mm-hmm. uh, some women's sports stuff like uh, women's basketball get, needs some stuff, women's volleyball needs some stuff. <coughs> uh, debt, <laughs> as Bearcat 12 <laughs> yeah. just said, yes. Oh, there's debt. still a lot of a lot of debt on the Linder Center and these other projects, so. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of money will go to paying those bills down, and uh, people they are very very big on spending money on talent, and that goes well beyond just like coaching salaries. I mean, you've seen how many people. A lot of it's going to be on storytelling. Storytelling, 
building out mental health department, nutrition, uh, you know, fundraising, all these, like they want to bring in as much talent as possible. And that's the, that's the biggest expenditure. You know, obviously you're going to have a lot of money to, to build a practice facility and stuff like that. But I don't think there is, they, they think they can spend their money more better and by bringing people than just like building more stuff. Right. But there's certainly things that need, need work and need uh, updating and and building to, you know, we're jumping up to a conference that, you know, distributed $42 million last year. Right. So, but uh, those are, those are kind of the main thing. I'm sure there's, tons of others but those are kind of the main main ones and a lot of it people have to remember like because of this vision because of where they wanted to end up and this goes back to debt a little bit they have been acting as if they are a power five university now they they haven't it's not like they've been spending like they've had the 50 million dollars but they haven't been spending like they're only making seven. And there is going to be a level of catch-up, Dave, that, that has to be played because all of these programs have had that money for a while. Right. And there are going to be infrastructure things. There are going to be staffing things. There are going to be, you know, uh, certain projects that may seem small on the surface, but may take $10 million to catch up to where every other school in the big 12 is. Mm-hmm. It might not be hundred million dollar projects, but it could very easily be three, four, five, $7 million projects, $10 million projects just to get on equal footing with everybody. Like Cunningham wasn't, um, he wasn't, throwing, you know, darts blindfolded at a dartboard when they named it the day one ready campaign. No. You're going to be competing with eight schools that have a significant head start, right? Oh, yeah. So you have to think of it in those terms as well. Should we... uh, Steven, no. (laughs) Steven, no. He says, I'm only interested in putting this big money, big 12 money towards the endowment. Want to hear nothing more about expenditures, only endowment. Give me endowment. Uh, if it, if it's give me endowment or give me death, then we're going to have to kill you off, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, men's basketball only practice facility. That's down the road. I do think it's something on the wish list. I know it's something on the wish list from the men's basketball side. Uh, but UC runs into um, the same problem there that they run into with anything on campus, right? Where? Yeah. Where? Where, where does the basketball-only practice facility go? Especially, like, they they kind of have one. They don't, but they do. That's a difficult nut to crack, I think, if you're if you're John Cunningham. Yeah, for sure. Oh god, I hate you both. 
BJ, what's wrong with being well endowed? <laughs> and Steven says, Brian gets me. Um, certain Kathy says certain projects were funded through donors. Uh, certain parts of projects were funded through donors. Through, ver through very, uh, and that's the other thing that we need to, to grow is certain projects were funded by the same donors. Yeah, but not all of those funds. No, no. But what I'm saying is, there was funding. There's funding in, that you that you have to have to get the loan for the rest of it, but then it wasn't 100 percent donations. Like, one would say the Linder Center was funded by donors. They're still paying off the debt from the Linder Center. They're still paying off the debt from Fifth Third Arena. They're still paying off the debt from Nippert Stadium. Those projects were funded by donors, in part. <laughs> there are still a lot of dollars that need to cover what the donors did not cover. Yes. Uh, the Armory... When's the Fieldhouse going to be a permanent hockey rink? Uh, never. There's there's well, discussions about ways to, to use... That'll be an interesting one now that there's like actually money. Before, it was just there wasn't money. Well, and, and the problem with that was, in order to make that uh, useful for anything, it basically has to be completely gutted. Yeah. Because it's not... There's lead paint. There's... <laughs> yeah. It's very old. Very old. It's a big storage facility right now. Yeah. <laughs> I really hadn't seen the... Um, the scope of how old that place is. Oh yeah. Until during COVID, we had to go check in there to to get in. We had to go like yeah. sign the papers that we had had our COVID tests and right. um it's old. And it, it seems like an obvious place for a basketball practice facility. I think the only problem there is one, it's like if you talk about like what a men's basketball practice facility looks like these days, it's a smaller scale of what the football practice facility looks like with offices and weight room and nutrition and yeah, like you're really only fitting like one normal court in there, right? You're not right. like you're not getting three courts sideways with one, you know, with one court down the middle type thing. And there's no room for like a basketball offices. And no, you can't a, expand a it out the and, one side right, because it's, right. there's buildings. There. And the there's other side is just like a walkway. There's like space for two trucks, like yeah. two 18 wheelers to unload there. That's it. Like that would be a tough spot to do a basketball practice facility. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm sure. The Gonzaga could... thing. The, the people want us to talk about the Gonzaga thing. Can I just can I say something that not that is not gonna elicit? I know. A lot I, of, I think I know where you're going with this. I'm kind of indifferent. Um, like I mean, if, I, if I they think if it happens, if cool. they added them, cool. Like I add, I'm cool with that. Like they're obviously a great basketball program. Now they're look now they're looking to park all their sports and not just coming for basketball. So does that make, right. does that make sense? Um, but 
if they don't like it's very much exploratory it seems i mean they're it seems like gonzaga is realizing that they need to figure out a way to get out of the west coast conference yeah more so than like the big east the big 12 or the pac 12 is like dying to add them this feels more I, like I that. think it would be safe to say Gonzaga is initiating these calls. Yes. I mean, the, the meeting happened in Dallas last week when Gonzaga played Tennessee, which, by the way, we torched that ass. We're basically the best program in football and basketball now. Um, but, yes, they were in Dallas for one of these, like, charity exhibition games, and Brett Yormark met with their AD there. Um, I think Brett Yormark is in the business of – evaluating properties properties and commodities and he yeah, wasn't he, kidding when he said we're open for business like i think like i would have no problem with it i think it would suck from a uc standpoint just add another behemoth into the basketball right. conference but it's it would certainly be additive i mean i saw a tweet tonight that if they did add them they would have the number one, two, three, and four Ken Palm teams from 2022 in the conference. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if they don't add them, I'm not like, oh my God, what a lost opportunity. So I'm, I'm yeah, kind with of, you on I'm, that. I'm the kind the of conference in, is already a monster. Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent on it. Like, I, I think it would be great. I, I could totally understand why it would, I think it would do a lot of good things for Gonzaga, do a lot of good things for the conference. But if they don't, then whatever, it's fine. It plays into the Parada uh, agreement, though, where you potentially get more money than for the entire conference. Yeah, but basketball doesn't. doesn't. It, it moves the needle to a point, but I mean. I, mean, I honestly don't know how it would because, I mean, the, in, the, in the ESPN part of the contract, it says that they have to be a power five. Right. But what does that mean for – they're obviously not, but but they, they are. But they are because they don't have football. <laughs> so it's I mean, how are we? Um, how are we? How are they con- concerned in that? But they're certainly not getting like they're not getting twenty million dollars. I mean, I would think that if you're bringing in a Gonzaga, they're coming in with other teams. You're not just bringing in Gonzaga. Would be my Gonzaga. Assumption. Gonzaga. But I mean, who else? Then what? What else are you bringing? Like. You're not there's then you're then you're not doing the additive thing. Then you're just right. having a, a hanger on for the sake of numbers. And what did somebody? I saw somebody post today. They made the tournament one time without Mark Few. Like, like this run is not who they were before Mark Few got there. They made it. They made it with um. What was his name? going to bother yeah. me but, I, can't but I, I i more so just in this like in since yeah. they, oh, this well, run yeah. uconn it's, absolutely yeah and uconn in basketball That's um but like <laughs> you know i've seen like well, what if you added boise for football why that's not good that's not additive no you know would san that diego, san diego state like, they're also not p5 right san diego state doesn't you know i think change you, anything I think you're looking at it like I got like I guess it, the question would be here: Does Gonzaga po- force the hand of Arizona? Maybe and basketball is king at Arizona. Like, yeah, for sure. Does adding Gonzaga meaning 
that's no longer an option for the Pac-12 to like boost the basketball brand. Would it be a power play to show Arizona, you know, we're we're on the same page? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. 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 I don't I don't have that answer. I'm just tossing the question out there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just just on the on the surface, without trying to get into all these like uh, Dana Altman is who he was going for. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, it's gonna drive me. I'm gonna have to Google it. Munson. It's drive me Munson. Cr- Dan, Dan, Dan. 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 Yes. Whatever. Munson. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just came to me out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, just them strictly on the surface, adding them. 13 basketball teams, 12 football teams. Uh, I would have no problem with that. Yeah. Like, you can. I, I mean, I, I like you, I, I'm kind of indifferent. Like, UC's been living in that world with, like, Wichita. It's, it hasn't diluted anything. It hasn't made it any different. It hasn't made things any harder for, fo- you know, for football. The, the problem with the, and I saw some people, like, talking about it with, like, the old big, the old Big East was like split 50-50 between like tiny small Jesuit schools that only played basketball and these monster city schools that, that played both. Like it's not the right. same. And the old Big East also had a like a a core group that yeah, felt like that had we been there built from this the, and were being ignored. Right. Well, they'd been there from the jump, they right. built it, then all these football schools came on board. And then football blew up, and now they're the ones making the decisions. You know? Right. And so, yes, it's it's. I don't see a problem with it, but I also like if it I happened. Don't, I don't. I'm indifferent. Yes, I'm. I'm I think it's interesting as shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't care. What, like I'm not. I'm I, nothing about this hinges on whether Gonzaga is part of the Big Twelve or not. No, they're they're clearly looking at, like, their, at their would, future. Would you like the best cheesecake you've ever had after eating your hundred dollar bone in ribeye? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cheesecake's good. Give me some cheesecake. <laughs> uh the buzz about Xavier getting a football team. Apparently it's real. I don't I don't I can't speak much on well, it. I, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Apparently Xavier's going to get a football team. Yeah, that's cool. They uh, they think that is the answer to a um, problem that they are having retaining male students between year one and year two. Oh, they're having a problem with that. Yeah, they're oh. losing like twenty percent, eighteen twenty percent of their male student population after their freshman year. That's unfortunate. Yeah, we hate to see it. I mean. And, there's only there's not a large number of students there anyway. So as a, pr- as a proud Xavier alum, um, will you I be can, tailgating? Will the Simone family? I can, tailgate? I can see why you don't. You wouldn't want to go to school in a bunch of buildings that look like a prison. <laughs> Isn't the problem there? Maybe like you just have no like nightlife, no anything for students to do. I don't. I don't know. I mean, they have, I, they have no I, Greek system. They have went, one bar. I went at night like three days a week for a year and a half. I, I don't know. I, but I'm saying I think that would be uh, more responsible yes. I mean, for it's, your, it's, your problem. It's why I picked like the schools that I wanted to go to. It was like, I feel like if you go to a school like that, 
it feels to me it felt like you were still in high school even if you live there yeah you're just at high school living in your bedroom that's no longer connected to your mom and dad's house yeah there's not like a kitchen full of food that you just walk down the stairs and (laughs) go eat whenever you feel like it um right but no i mean i think that's i mean I know UT faced that problem, not necessarily with men specifically, but like they had a problem a while ago where they were not retaining a lot of uh, because they were enough. bad at football. <laughs> well, because they also had this weird, invi- weird vision that they were going to be like this really, really high level academic school, and it's like, or just be a big state school in the south and and not try to be something that you're not. But yeah, I don't know why a bunch of like if you're a dude, I'm not sure why you would want to go to Xavier. But hey, teach their own. Somebody else tweeted and said it. And I, I can't put my finger on the problem of retaining male students, but it's I, I saw a t-shirt back in the day. <laughs> would they would they play that would they like turn their baseball field into a football field and like no play? apparently they would build uh like a probably something like Thomas Moore has. Where? <clears throat> <clears throat> I guess there's an empty Kroger parking lot over there. So, like there's a lot of <laughs> oh my god, I don't know why that made me laugh, but like I'm serious. Apparently there's an abandoned, like a dead Kroger (laughs) that they're going to turn into a football field or something. I mean, if they're looking to light money on fire, I can think of some, some other ways to to do it. It's, uh, it's rich. Um, basketball. We don't like, we'll have more starting next week. Uh, We'll probably, we'll get into a lot of basketball on Sunday night. I think we're going to do the BBP on Sunday night with the opening game against Chaminade on Monday. Uh, Berg is going to have a story, uh, a preview story for his thoughts as we get into the um, get into the season sometime this weekend. Uh, we're ready to go for basketball. Like I, I don't. Everybody's clamoring for more basketball. We've had we had Jeff Goodman. We had uh, we had Chad Dollar. We had Tobes. Wes has stopped on a couple times. We we've we've talked a lot. Like I don't know what else. It's not football where there's a hundred guys. There's thirteen guys. Well, the right? season starts in like three days. We'll have plenty yeah. to talk about, <laughs> right? Once we uh, once we get things rolling, there's going to be a shit ton of stuff to talk about, and we'll see how long they can keep Dave engaged this year. Well, for being honest, the um, the early schedule is not going to be the thing that keeps me engaged. They better play well. <laughs> yeah. Maui will keep you engaged. Yes, of course. Except for, except for the tip-off of the first game is at 11.30 on a, on a weeknight. And if they like if they lose, I think they pretty much stay in that time slot because then they move the bigger games into the primetime slots. Right. And the lesser games either go into the afternoon or, you know. I always it, love the it, first it, round of Maui because the game started at like – like three, two, early three o'clock a- early in the afternoon and go super late. Yeah. Oh, they tip like they're the scheduled tip is eleven thirty with a game in front of them. So tip is probably going to be more like eleven forty five, which means that game's rolling until two a.m. Yeah, I'm a pretty good sense that I won't be catching much of that one. I think that might be a great spot for us to do like a live watch. Um. <laughs> where the game's on and we're talking about it without sound, without, you know, but we're just live reacting 
to everybody watching the game. I don't know. Hopefully it goes well. All right. I think that's going to just about do it. I don't have anything else to you. Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, everybody have a good night. We will, uh, we'll have rocket truth tomorrow night and, uh, a lot of different stuff to, to get to as we go through the weekend and we get into one of the busier weeks of the year with uh, five games in eight days between football and basketball. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thank you to a producer extraordinaire, Aaron Smith. This is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.